in all that we can do to change our lives, to change the world, to change our situations, we can work harder, we can work smarter, we can do all these things, but nothing changes things like prayer. The power of our prayer. If my people, if my people would humble themselves and pray, when we pray, worlds change. Amen? So I wish we could grab hands across the building, but let's grab spiritual hands and spiritual hearts, and let's pray for the kingdom of God to come right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, first off, we are so thankful that we can come boldly before your throne. And Father, we thank you for our nation, our country, that we are a country that has religious freedom. And Father, we claim that that religious freedom will always be here. For we declare that we are a great nation because of you. Now, Father, we release that spirit of wisdom on our entire nation and across the world. Father, we pray for everyone that's in leadership from the White House on down. We release the anointing of God, the spirit of God, the direction of God on our nation in every way. Father, we call for a great revival amongst the church. Father, I ask that you'd give every pastor, every Christian leader, male and female, give us wisdom, give us knowledge, give us guidance, and give us boldness to stand for the kingdom of God. Father, we're so thankful for all that you've done. We give you all the praise and all the glory, but we are so excited about what you're going to do because we know, according to your word, our best is yet to come, and we give you praise, we give you glory, and we give you honor. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, who is the Messiah. And everybody that believes our best is yet to come, give the Lord a clap offering and tell him you know it's about to happen. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. You know, when I was saying that, everybody that believes the best is yet to come, give the Lord a clap offering. And I think everybody clapped. But, you know, even if you don't think the best is yet to come, fake it till you make it. Join in with it. We'll take you along. Because I read the end of the book, we win. Amen. I want to ask you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Luke, chapter 23. And we're going to talk about where do we go from here? Now, I'm not talking about just tomorrow or next week, but we're going to talk about in this series, what's heaven going to be like? You know, they always come to me and they ask me and they, they say, Pastor Larry, what's the name of this series? And I wrote down several things, life after death, where will we spend eternity, life after the grave. But, you know, none of those things really hit because I believe a lot of us won't see a grave. I believe we're that close. And so we were in the back, and it hit me every time I leave home, every time I leave, whether I'm going to Israel or I'm coming down here to church, Tiz says two things to me, the very last things that she says. The the first one, she says, is behave yourself. And we know that's not going to happen. 
The second thing, the last thing Tiz always says to me is give them heaven. And that's what we're going to do in this series. And, you you know, I'm going to be real honest with you. Uh, I was thinking about 40-something years in ministry, and I'm not sure I ever really taught on heaven. I mean, we talk about it. You know, every pastor finishes the message in an altar call so that people can go to heaven. You know, oh, I, you know, I have preached on heaven, but usually we preach on heaven as pastors at a funeral. We talk about eternity, that person's not here, they're with God. And, and that's a great time to talk about heaven, but the guest of honor doesn't hear a word of it. Or they do, but they're not just there to, to receive it. And so I started thinking, I felt God dealing with me to talk about heaven. And I'm going to be real honest with you. Um, you know, it's just like I've never really been into Bible prophecy until I started studying Bible prophecy. And then I realized what an amazing subject this is, especially where we are living today. And when I started doing my study on heaven, you know, I, I, I've got to be, you know, I've got to be honest. The way I preach is God speaks to my heart on a subject. He starts me on a path. And when I know it's God, I start studying and I start researching and I start praying about it. And as I'm praying about it, I'm studying it just like in Bible prophecy. When I started studying heaven, it is absolutely fascinating what God has in store for all of us. Listen to this scripture. James 4.13 says, Come now you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city and spend a year there and carry on business and make a profit. You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist or a vapor or a breath that appears for a moment and then vanishes forever. God says, you know, like um, our, our anniversary is coming up. Our Tiz and I's anniversary is coming up. Tiz's birthday is coming up. And so a lot of times we'll go somewhere for her birthday and and uh, so the staff is wanting to know, are you going to be gone at the end of February? Are you going to be gone? And so we plan things months in advance, years in advance. Uh, we, we, we go to college or we do things planning our life out. And that's a good thing. But when you read the scripture, it says this life. You know, my mom is 93 years old. I have good genes. I got really good genes. My mom, you know, they just took my mom's driver's license away. She didn't have any accident or anything. She just couldn't see over the steering wheel anymore. <laughs> and my mom's just, I, I, I have things to do. You know, she's 93 years old. She's doing something all the time. And uh, that, that's a good way to live. We plan. We look for the future. But when you think about it in terms of eternity, our life is a vapor of smoke. You, you go out in a cold morning, And then you see your breath, and then it's gone. That's what our life is like here on earth. 
The, by, yeah, remember that old song that says, though I've been there 10,000 years, we've only just begun. Think about that. When we've been there 10,000 years, we've only just begun. This world has only been in existence about 6,000 years. And yet when we've been in heaven for 10,000 years, we've just begun. So if this life is a vapor of smoke, it's here today and it's gone tomorrow, even if you live into, to be 100, I think we ought to, you know what, I need a water, guys. I think we ought to look at what eternity is all about. Thanks. We need to look at what eternity is all about because that's where we're going to spend forever and ever and ever. Can I have an amen? amen? Excuse me. What will heaven be like? And, and I, I can't emphasize enough how fascinating this subject is going to be. But we need to understand that no matter who we are, every one of us is going to face eternity. Now, I, I debated on reading these statistics, but uh, the Bible says it's appointed unto us once to die. So if we don't make the rapture, every one of us is going to die someday. I need an Amen. And I debated on reading this, but since the Bible says every one of us is going to die unless we make the rapture, the statistics are, and I'm going to give you the more positive side of the statistics, three people die every second. 180 people die every minute. Almost 11,000 people die every hour. And more than 250,000 people die every day. So we've got to understand that this life is but a vapor of smoke. It's here today and it's gone. It's, it's gone. Just that quick. And then we spend forever and ever 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 and ever. Because you think about it, where did we come from? You know, there's people who say, well, I, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in it. Where did we come from? All of a sudden, we can think, we can talk, we can speak, we can sing, we can play an instrument, we can build a business, we can create. Where did that come from? That came from somewhere. And when this life is over, that same being, this shell may go to dust, but that same being goes somewhere back to where it came from. And so we need to understand, every one of us are going to face eternity every one of us. So we need to look at what God says concerning eternity. Read with me in the book of Luke chapter 23 verse 32. There were also two other criminals led, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. But the people stood looking on, 
But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved himself. Let him save. He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen one. You know, excuse me. I got new glasses and I can't read with them. (laughs) They're not working. Uh, Oh, there it is. But the people looked on. But even the rulers sneered him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ and the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in the letters Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. Jesus dies on the cross. This is the king of the Jews." Then one of the criminals, one of the thieves who were hung with him, blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, the other thief answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly for receive the due reward of our deeds but this man has done nothing wrong then he said to jesus lord remember me when you come into your kingdom and jesus said to him assuredly i say to you today today you will be with me in paradise now I want you to think about that verse, and then I want you to think about three days later. Jesus is on the cross. One thief mocks him. The other thief recognizes who Jesus is, and he says to Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus' response was, today, right now, today, before the sun goes down, today you will be with me in paradise right everybody read that now go with me three days later and we won't take time to read it you can find it in john 20 verse 1 through 17 here we have three days later and mary magdalene comes to the tomb finds jesus has been resurrected jesus said to her why do you seek the 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 living amongst the dead and mary goes to hug jesus And Jesus says to her three days later, don't touch me. I've not yet been with my father. Now, three days before, if you can bring the timeline up, guys, the uh, the original timeline. Three days before, he said to the thief, this day shall you be with me in paradise. Three days, that day. Now, I don't think Jesus lied. I think Jesus was telling the truth. That moment, that moment Jesus gave up his breath, he was in paradise and that thief was with him. But three days later, he says, don't touch me for I have not yet ascended to the father. And of course we know Jesus walked with them for 40 more days. Then he ascended to the father. So the question is, is paradise... And heaven, the same place? The answer to that is yes and no. Revelation 2.7 says, To the one who conquers, 
I will grant him the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. If we look at our timeline, and I'm going to show you something else in a minute. We look at our timeline, and as I've been saying, and boy, I'm, I, I promise I wasn't going to get political. But since January 20th, I think we're closer to the timeline than we've ever been before. How crazy are things getting? But understand that we're going out a glorious church. Amen. So I, be, I really believe in all my heart that we are so close to the seven years of tribulation. As you know the timeline, we have the rapture, then we have the seven years of tribulation, then we have the second coming, and then we go into the Sabbath, the seventh millennium. Now, I'm going to show you something at the end of this message that is absolutely fascinating. But to get there, this period for a thousand years to this period is not heaven, but it is paradise. Now, when we get raptured, we go through the seven years of tribulation. The, the, the Lord comes back with the army. We whoop up on the devil and I won't say it. We, we whip up on the devil and all his disciples, and then we go into what is like heaven, but heaven is not yet. It's heaven, the, the, the final place of heaven is not yet. That comes after the thousand years. If we're to make the rapture, we're already set for paradise. The moment someone dies that person goes into what's called paradise now it's just like heaven but it's not the eternal spot it's a spot until heaven comes when Lazarus died the bible says he was in the bosom of Abraham and I'm going to show you some things in this series He's in the bosom of Abraham. He's not in heaven. And the rich ruler was cruel, was not in hell. He was in Hades. And he could look over and they could see each other. Now, that, this gets really interesting. I believe when we look into eternity, we're going to be seeing people there that go all the way back to the time of Adam and Eve. When we're in eternity, if a loved one passes away to be absent from this world is to be immediately into the presence of God. Now, we're going to go, I'm laying this all off for the foundation of this series. We're going to talk about the new heaven. We're going to talk about the new earth. We're going to talk about levels of heaven. John said, I was caught up to the third heaven. There may be even seven levels of heaven. But the thing we want to focus on right now is, as believers, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that is what the Bible calls 
paradise. It is heaven. It's just like heaven, but heaven is just the name for the final resting. Paradise is until that happens. Listen to what it says. Paul was caught up into paradise. And he says, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he said, I heard things that I cannot tell you, which God said I can't utter. So here's Paul. He's caught up into paradise where Jesus is. And he says, I can't even tell you what I saw. Now, the question when I read that is, why can't Paul tell us what he saw in paradise? Well, the Bible says, eye is not seen, ear is not heard. It's not even entered into the imagination of man what things God has prepared for us. I believe the reason why Paul was not allowed to say what he saw in paradise is because we would be so anxious to get there, we wouldn't be paying attention to our life here on earth. So no matter what, paradise, heaven, is beyond imagination until the last days. And, and I think this is why God's laid in my heart to teach this. Let me, let, me, let me read 1 Corinthians 2 that Paul said. Eye is not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered in the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, I've heard that preached, and, and I'll be honest with you, I've preached it. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, neither has it entered in the heart of man. The things that God has when we enter into paradise or when we enter into heaven, and we stop there and say, we can't even know what God has. But read the next verse. Read what it says in the next verse. Except for us who are waiting for his coming, God will reveal these things to us by his spirit. And I believe that in these last days, God is going to make heaven so real to every one of us that we won't be able to rest, we won't be able to sit back, we'll never think about retiring, we're going to realize we must bring as many with us in these last days. Listen to what it says. I've been in the ministry over 40 years, and I've always said, I've always preached that there's no way we can know what God has for us. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard. We can imagine, take your imagination, and make it the most glorious place that you could ever think of. And it's so far beyond that. No man has ever even imagined what it's going to be. And we stop there. Go to the next verse. Until the last. And God will reveal them to us by his spirit. And I believe there's a reason. Instead of looking at this world and realizing what a mess it is, we're going to see a vision of heaven and we're going to be so motivated by the power of the Holy Ghost that we will change our lives. And by changing our lives, we're going to change the world when we see what God has waiting for us. Now watch this. Right now, we are in, right now, we are in what's called the sixth millennium. The sixth thousand-year period. How many have ever heard the uh, statement, 
are the, the, the term Y2K. What does that mean? From the year 2000, we've entered into the second thousand years from the time of Christ. Can you guys bring up the new timeline? In the history of the world, we've gone from Genesis 1-1 to 2,000 years, the time of Abraham. From the time of Abraham, we've gone 2,000 years to the time of Jesus. From the time of Jesus, we've gone 2,000 years, and we're depends on how you look at it, maybe maybe 100 years from there, but scientists and archaeologists are saying, maybe we're only about six years from here. And when we get to the end of this 2,000 years, we enter in to the millennium, the Sabbath millennium. Now, here's what's fascinating. If you were to read, you know what? Let's do it. Go to Revelations 20. The Bible tells us to study to approve ourselves worthy, rightly dividing the word of truth. Look, look at me a second. The Bible has secrets in it. Do you understand that? The Bible has secrets. There is a, there is a word in Hebrew. It's actually a Persian word. And that word is the word parties. And most of you know this. Parties is a Persian word that means garden or paradise. The way you get to paradise while we're still here on earth is by understanding revelations in God's word. The word parties means is, is, is P small a R d small e s in hebrew there are four levels of understanding god's word peshat remis drash and sod when you take these four levels of studying you take scriptures and god reveals to you mysteries that are in there to show you what's about to happen okay when we look at revelations chapter 20 I want to reveal to you a couple mysteries. Look at verse 1. Then an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and great chain in his hand, he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for how many years? One thousand years. Okay. He cast him, under, underline that word thousand, because I'm going to show you something. He cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, and set a seal on him so that he could deceive the nations no more till the, what's the next word? Thousand years, underline that. Thousand years were finished, but after these things he must be released for a little while. And I saw the thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus 
for the word of God who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on his forehead or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. How many times have we said a thousand so far in this? Three times. But the rest are dead and did not live again until the thousand years, four times, were finished. And this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection over such a second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years, five times. And now when the thousand years, six times has expired, Satan will be released from his prison. Let me show you something that's a secret. Can we bring both timelines up? Is that possible, guys? Can we bring both timelines up? Oh, okay. Right now, we are, if you read that scripture concerning the very end of the end times, God says a thousand years in that scripture six times. Now, without going into all, most of you know this, one day is as a, and a thousand years as one day. When we look at numbers, number six, number seven, in ancient Jewish wisdom, it always pertains to the creation of the world. God created everything in six days. And on the seventh day, he created the Sabbath or Menuha. He created the great blessing. If you look at the scripture in Genesis, God created everything. And on the sixth day, he finished, and on the seventh day, he ended his work and rested. Now, most of you know this, but for those who don't, think about it. God said, let there be light. There was light. God said, let there be mountains. There was mountains. Let there be ocean. There was oceans. God didn't build these things. He spoke them into existence. And then the Bible says something very, very interesting. He said, in six days, he was finished. But on the seventh day, he ended his work and rested. Well, if God finished everything, if everything was finished, everything in those six days to bless you and feed you and house you and close you and prosper you and heal you and comfort you, everything that was to bless your life was done in six days What did he end his work with on the seventh day? And why did God rest? Well, the word in Hebrew rest is the word menuha. And it means blessing in everything. Blessing on everything. So in six days, God created everything to bless you. And on the seventh day, God created the blessing. When we look at where we are on God's timetable, we are a few years away from the end of six days. Everything that God has in the world is building and building and building and building and building to make you and I the glorious church, financially, spiritually, family, home, business, whatever it is, everything is building and God is right now ready to release the menuha, the blessing on our lives as we have never seen before. It is right here on God's timetable. 
Now, we know that when we get into the Sabbath millennium, we know when we get into the Sabbath millennium, when we get into paradise, we know that we don't have to worry about anything. We know that there's no tears, no sorrow, no racism, no anger, no violence, no drug addiction, no poverty, no hunger, none of that there. But what you've got to understand, first off, before we look into eternity, what did Jesus say? He said, I've come to give you life. We always think, well, God's come to get us into heaven. Yes, that's the main thing. But he didn't even say that. He said, I've come to give you life and that life more abundantly good measure, pressed down, shaking together, overflowing. Guys, this is why we're the glorious church. We are right there. And before we look into all that God has in heaven, we need to claim right now, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. Somebody ought to shout amen. Now we're going to see some things that are amazing in the weeks to come on what heaven is. I mean, absolutely amazing. But what we need to understand is we don't have to wait to go into eternity. We are, we are, we are there. We are at the threshold of the greatest outpouring of God's blessing that we've ever seen. Can I go a little deeper? Now you're going to have to put your thinking cap on for this. Everything relating to days and years, numbers have powerful revelation to them. Numbers mean a lot. Go with me to Go with me to Genesis chapter 1. Our Bible says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Right? In the Hebrew translation, there are seven words in the original Hebrew language. Let me back up. From the time of Genesis, creation, to the time of Abraham... In Hebrew, it's called the hidden years. It wasn't until Abraham that we realized we're to worship one God. Now, God was there, but it's called in Hebrew the hidden years because we really don't have a lot of understanding in the world until Abraham realized there's one God. Abraham got up, and this began what we know today as serving God. From the time of Abraham to the time of Jesus is known in ancient Jewish wisdom as the years of revelation. This is when Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were born. This is when the Torah was given. This is when the prophets lived. This is when Jesus came to earth. So the first 2,000 years is called the hidden years. We really didn't know much of what God was doing. This year, these years, the next 2,000 years are called the years of revelation with the prophets and with everything, and then leading to Jesus. From the time of Jesus till the time that, which were years, just a few years away from the Messianic era where the Messiah will rule and reign on earth, this is called 
the preparation for the Messiah, divine concealment and revelation. Now, what does that mean? That means that during this time, from the time Jesus was born to the time Jesus returns, some will have eyes to see and see. Some will have ears to hear and won't hear. That we are in a time that some will see it and some won't see it. Now, I'm going to get real, a little deeper. You ready? In those five words, or excuse me, in those seven words, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In, in, in the original Hebrew, there are seven words, and each of these words, except the word heaven, contains the first letter in the alphabet, Aleph. All six words contain the first letter in the, in the, in the Hebrew alphabet. This first letter, Aleph, is uh, uh, the root for king, ruler, and majesty. It's also the root word for one. So in this time, the revelation that came to the world through Abraham is that God is the king, he is the ruler, he is the master, and he is one. Okay? Now, each one of these, each, in each one of these, there are three letters. In the first part, the aleph is at the end of the word. There are two consonants and then aleph. And that means that God is hiding himself. In the next 2,000 years, the years of Revelation, three letters in the word, but the first letter is the Aleph, which means God is revealing himself. In the th- third 2,000 years, the Aleph, meaning king and lord and master and ruler, it's right in the middle, which means God is hiding his revelation from some and revealing his revelation to others. This is the most amazing time that we're living in right now in the history of the world. We are living in a time, in in this series, we're going to see what God has prepared for us. God says, my spirit will reveal to you. But the thing that God wants us to see as we look at what heaven is and who's there and will we see them again or children there or, or where is heaven? What's the, what's the third level of heaven? What does it mean when I saw a new heaven and new earth and this, this earth was passed away and a new Jerusalem? What does all that mean? It is absolutely amazing. But the thing that God is saying right in here is that I am right there in the middle of everything that you're doing. And if you have eyes to see, see what I'm doing. If you have ears to hear, hear what I'm doing. Because until the very end time, we can't imagine what God is getting ready to do. But God says, but in the very end time, I, by my spirit, will show you so that you can say, yeah, that's going to happen someday. But today, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's why Jesus, as a rabbi, said, I am the same yesterday. I am the same tomorrow. Tomorrow. 
but I am the same today. We need to realize when we look at heaven that this is not something we have to wait for, but the power of God, the anointing of God, the blessing of God, the finances of God, the victory of God, that we are more than conquerors in God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Somebody say amen. This life is a vapor of smoke. It is here today and then it's gone. It's here today and then it's gone. When we go into eternity, there'll be no tears. Well, tears of joy. There'll be no sickness. There'll be no death. There'll be no racism. There'll be no divorce. There'd be no alcoholism. There'll be no drug addiction. There'll be no. I almost said it, but I'm not. It's going to be a place that is absolutely amazing. And when I read this and I saw and I read the Hebrew of this, that we didn't know what God was doing much until Abraham. From Abraham, great revelation. Till we got to the Messiah. From the Messiah till he comes, returns again. There'll be, and understand, and I don't want to ruin all my teachings that are coming up, but this is why Jesus said they have eyes, but they don't see. He said that right in here. He said that right in here. They have ears, but they don't hear. But blessed are you who have eyes to see and ears to hear. The disciples came to Jesus And they said, Lord, why do you speak in parables? And Jesus said, because it's not for them to know. It's not for them to know. But it's for you to understand the revelations of God. It's the truth that you understand that will set you free, that will bring the blessings of God. Remember, how do we get... How do we get to paradise? If you remember Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says because of Adam and Eve, God put them out of the garden. But then he said, he said the very next verse, he said an angel with a flaming sword to show the way back to the tree. What did God say to be? What do we read in the beginning? That God would bring us. He said, I saw us where God gave us the tree in paradise. That wasn't someday. That was here on earth. So the angel is standing there with a sword, and he's turning to the north and the south, the east and the west. And almost every preacher preaches us to keep us out of the garden, to keep us out of paradise. No. What does it say? It says to show us the way to paradise. Not when we go to heaven. That's a given. We don't have to be shown the way to paradise. We don't have to have the illumination once we're in heaven. We don't have to have the light of God show us how to get into paradise when we're there. 
This is a teaching for us right before. We are moments away. We are, mom- we are at the end of the sixth day, guys. We are moments away from the Sabbath millennium where there's no sorrow, no tears. Uh, but God says, when I come back, I'm coming back for a glorious church without spot or without wrinkle. And when I begin to read about heaven and then I begin to read the Hebrew concept that we don't wait for the Messiah to come right before the Messiah the power of God, the glory of God, the anointing of God, the blessing of God, the prosperity of God will fall on those that love him. I realize that is today. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Somebody ought to shout amen. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? He said, I've come. Why, why has he come? Just to get us into heaven? That's the ultimate. But he said, I've come to give you life and that life more abundant. The place that we're going, the streets are paved with gold. The gates going in there are huge gems. It's beyond imagination until the last days. And by his spirit, he's going to show us why. Why will he show us? Why does God want to reveal these things to us? And it, 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 I have to admit, I've been in the ministry a long, long time, and I've never really studied heaven. I go, well, heaven, it's kind of a boring subject. Clouds and harp, no, 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 far from it. A new Jerusalem, a new heaven, a new earth, where we will rule and reign with Christ Jesus. You and I will rule and reign with Christ Jesus. And in these last days, he gives us a glimpse of heaven so that we can claim thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Folks, trust me in this. Our best really is yet to come. Can I have an amen? Would you give the Lord a clap offering and stand with me all over the building? Paul was caught up into paradise, whether in body or out of body. I don't know. God knows. And he saw things that God said to the first church. Don't tell them what you saw. But the last church, God will reveal it to us by his spirit. The question is not, is there a heaven? Without a doubt. The real question is, are you going there? That's the question. I believe that if Paul would have relayed to the church what heaven is like, what paradise is like, we would give our lives to the Lord for the wrong reason. But the reason why we give our lives to the Lord is not so that someday we can see him, but that we can serve him right now. The que- next week, I think, I think next week I'm going to teach on who, who's in heaven. But the question is, 
Not that, is there a heaven? The question is, will you go? I've told this story before, uh, probably several times here. When I was in the middle of a drug deal, long before I knew Christ, I got a letter from my Aunt Helen. And I had a house full of drugs. I had several drug dealers staying with me. And I opened up the letter, and my Aunt Helen had sent me the Bible that I had when I was about two years old. My Aunt Helen was a Jewish lady that loved Jesus with all her heart. Just the kindest, most godly person. I've never heard her say one bad thing about anybody. And in all that I was involved with, all the drugs and drug smuggling and all the stuff, she never gave up on me. Never gave, never gave up. Always believed that Jesus would touch my life. And in the middle of a drug deal, I opened this up, and it's a letter with the Bible. And she said, I really felt like God wanted me to send you this. That it's your time to ask him into your heart. Many years after I'd gotten saved and Tiz and I were married, we had kids and we're in the ministry. My Aunt Helen was, I think, 94 or something like that. She never married because she stayed home to take care of her family and parents, you know, old European thing. And my mom was taking care of her. True story. My mom was taking care of her because she was getting pretty, pretty old. I don't think aunt, my, aunt, my Aunt Helen ever weighed more than 90 pounds, little bitty thing. My mom's taking care of her, and all of a sudden she hears my mom's name is Ina. And she says, Ina, come here, come here. My mom walked into Aunt Helen's room. She said, what is it, Helen? She goes, get me my purse. And my mom said, your purse? She goes, yeah. Well, she said, what do you want your purse for? And my aunt said, I- I'm going now. And my mom thought maybe she was, you know, having a senior moment. And she said, Helen, you, you, you can't go anywhere. She goes, no, no, I'm not talking about that. She goes, Jesus is coming for me. And my mom said, well, why do you want your purse? She said, I want to write one last check to my church so somebody else can hear about Jesus. Now, I'm not taking an offering, so breathe. But it is pretty, it just hit me, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. And where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That was my aunt. And uh, she goes, uh, he's coming for me. And my mom said, Helen, are you sure? She said, yeah, he's coming. She said, tell all the kids. She said, I don't want them to buy flowers. She said, I'm going to a place that the flowers of this world can't even compare. I'm going I'm to I'm show you that flowers sing in heaven. Flowers sing in heaven. And so she said, tell the kids, don't buy flowers. Whatever they were going to use to buy flowers for me, I want them to give that money to the church. She understood mitzvah. She was a Christian Jew. She understood mitzvah. Caused them to do a good deed. And so 
my mom gave her a checkbook and she wrote out, not to my ministry, unfortunately, but I was, I'm going to ask her about that when we get to heaven. But she gave my mom the check. Last thing she did was give. She said, he's given me so much. And she laid her head down and she goes, there he is oh it's Jesus yes I'm ready she looked at my mom and she said be good I'll see you when you get home I'm ready now she saw into the kingdom of God she saw it she saw it when my father passed away, I was sitting in, and my father didn't get saved. You know, you talk about going in smelling like smoke. That was my dad. <laughs> I mean, he, I think his, his shoes were singed. But in the very last days, he asked Jesus into his heart. And let me tell you this. Don't wait till then. Because you'll miss out on everything he has for you. You'll, you'll miss out. My aunt was so my aunt was so happy. My dad was really miserable, unfortunately, but he did receive the Lord as his Savior. And I remember sitting with him. He had a stroke, and I went up. He was in the Veterans Hospital, and I went up. And my brothers and sisters weren't in the room yet. We were there several days, and he was like in a coma. And I'm just sitting with him, and I sat with him, and I said, "Dad, it's okay. You can go now." All's okay. Everything's okay. And I was sitting there, and the nurse came in. And she said, you're the pastor, right? And I said, yeah. She said, can I ask you something? She said, my mother passed away. And she was in the same kind of coma that your father's in. And she said, we were sitting there, and I, and I know that... 99.999% of the time, they never come out of that coma. And she said, we were sitting there with my mom. And she said, you know, my mom's always gone to church, but we never have. And she said, my mom, for, for days and days, a week, was just in a coma. And she said, we could tell her breathing was almost to the end. And all of a sudden, she sat up. She goes, what's that light? What's that light? What's that light? And all the family, Mom, what do you She goes, oh, a golden road. I've got to walk it. I'm I need to follow that light down that golden road. And they said, Mom, go ahead and follow it. She goes, it's so beautiful and laid her head down and died the thing is that it's appointed unto us once to die every one of us is going to face eternity but folks we're at that point in history that is so exciting the Bible says we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witness. You know what that means? I was going to use this next week, but I'll use it now. You have Isaac, 
Abraham, Jacob, Daniel, David, Amos, Peter, Paul, all of them in paradise right now with Jesus. And they're like up in a, ba- a, a balcony. And they're looking down on us. We're surrounded by so, so great cloud of witnesses. And you know what they're saying? I wish I could have been where you are right now. Because the glory that God is going to bring, we have never imagined until now. God wants you to be a part of that. Not just to make heaven your home someday. You know, and I, I, don't, I don't mean to delay the end, but I can't imagine going through what we went through with Lion without knowing Jesus. I can't imagine going through what we went through with Tiz without knowing Jesus. Yes, someday, someday, and I think it's closer than we realize, but today is the day of salvation. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. I like to have every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. And maybe you're here right now and you'd say, Pastor Larry, you know what? I'm feeling a wake-up call. I really need to get back to serving God. Or maybe you've never been saved. And you say, you know what? I need to give my life to Jesus. And I'm not talking about being religious or going through religious rituals. I'm talking about saying, Father, forgive me for I've sinned. And I receive Jesus Christ right now as my Lord and my Savior and begin to follow him. So as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, not only in the building, but you that are watching around the world, I can feel the love of God. Maybe you're battling things. Maybe you're going through things. Isn't it time to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? We are so close. We are there right now to you experiencing the greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God. So as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one's looking around, you'd say, Pastor Larry, would you remember me in prayer? I want to rededicate my life or give my life to Jesus. Slip your hand up all over the building and just hold it there for a moment. Just keep it up the whole time. I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. God bless you. That hand, God bless you. That hand, that hand, God bless you. That hand, that hand, that hand, God bless you. That hand, that hand, God bless you. That hand, God bless you. That hand, that hand, God bless you. Anybody, that hand, God bless you. Anybody else wave it at me if you're just putting it up? That hand, God bless you. That hand, God bless you. Put your hands down. Look at me. You know the amazing thing is? Jesus says, come unto me. All you that are heavy laden in labor, and I will give you rest. You know, what's going on in the world today? It is God saying, get ready. Make sure you're ready. Because when we go home, we're not going home with a moan. We're going out with a shout. And God wants you to be a part of that. Do you receive that? Let's pray this out loud. Say it together. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord 
and my Savior. Look at me. I want to share one more thing. It just dropped in my spirit. Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundant, and he wants you and I to be a part of it. Think, think about when I got saved. I was a drug dealer. I was a heroin, cocaine addict. Tiz and I were pastoring in the city of Melbourne, Australia. I've had three visions in my life, three visions in my life. This is one of them. I was taught, and I thank God for the folks that led me to the Lord, but they believed God was angry with you, and they believed God was punishing you, and God would do this to you and that to you. And I was taking a shower to the point that when I came out of this vision, it was ice-cold water. And God began to show me. This just dropped into my spirit just now. God began to show me around the world what he wanted to do. How he wanted to bless his people and take care of his people and show himself strong for his people. And it was so overwhelming. I mean, this took probably 30 minutes in this vision. And I was so overwhelmed because I was heard that God's a hard taskmaster. And I said, God, I want to be a part of this. How do I become a part of this? You know what he told me? He said, I want you to tell the world, I'm a good God. I want you to understand, no matter where we came from, he's a good God. And it's the Father's good pleasure. What makes our Heavenly Father happy is to release the blessing and the power of God on every area of your life. Tomorrow, tell somebody. They may, you know, everybody's afraid. What's going to happen? Just say, you know what? Trust God. What a mighty God we serve. Do you receive that? Give the Lord a clap offering one more time.